I've had white friends say like, oh, it's always about race with you, isn't it? Oh. When I'm talking about auditions or jobs I didn't get or jobs I did get. And I'm like, yeah, it, it kind of is. Yeah, and not because you decided it. Yeah, and I definitely well. don't choose for it to be that way. Hello and welcome to the Open Up Podcast. I'm Elliot Knight. Amazing to have you back here with us for another conversation. Whether you're new or this is another episode you're listening to, we really appreciate you being here to listen to what our artists are opening up about. It's a very exciting one today. Let's not waste any time. Here is the ID of our guest. There's probably a few terms, realistically, that would make sense and I'd be fine with and I'm not very sensitive about it but I guess mixed race Asian Australian mixed Asian Australian would be closest I don't know (laughs) Natasha Liu Bordizzo is a great friend of mine I'm so lucky to say and a fantastic actor from Australia you may already know of her from Netflix's The Society Amazon's The Voyeurs Netflix's current number one movie Day Shift or in the upcoming Disney Plus series Ahsoka, where she'll be playing Sabine Wren in the Star Wars universe. Now, as you can hear from Natasha's ID, she has an interesting relationship with her identity, as many people who are mixed race, myself included, often do. It's not as clear cut as just being one thing or two things necessarily. And that's something that we're going to explore in the episode today. Natasha and I talk about being mixed race, about our understandings of our identities and how we are perceived, not only by the world, but also by the industry that we're a part of. How are we marketed? What's the difference between being Australian, Italian, Chinese, but being labeled as Asian? Also, what's it like when you don't feel Asian enough and also want to respect those sensitivities and boundaries? Natasha talks about growing up in Australia and understanding her identity as the full person that she is and the challenges that she had with that in the society she found herself in having parents of different cultures who speak different languages, the gifts that she got when she had an opportunity to learn a new language as well and how that connected her more to people in her family. And then talking about the TV and film industry, Tash and I talk about the different historical stereotypes of Asian representation in media and entertainment, where we're at now with that, why she's feeling a lot more positive about it, but there's still work to do and what she feels like that work is. And then the contrast of that, with her brand new job as a leading figure of diverse representation in the Star Wars universe. And if she has any concerns, worries, or if she thinks everything's going to be okay. Natasha shared with me during the episode that she was feeling great and happy and full of hope, which we love. And I'm so happy to be able to share that energy with you in this episode. I think it's a really nice balance to a lot of the heavy issues that we often talk about and you'll hear and listen to and sit through and We all appreciate that because we know that that's what it takes to get to the other side of some of these difficult issues. So hopefully this episode can help shine some light on the positive power that is on the way in the industry that Natasha sees for herself and hopefully those following her and why it's so important that we all are allowed to discover and be our fullest, truest selves. I will see you on the other side. 
Thank you for being here. This is episode eight of the Open Up podcast, opening up the TV and film industry with Natasha Lou Bordizzo. In terms of acting in TV and in film, when you have auditioned for roles or the way that you're seen in terms of casting, does that make you feel any more aware of a particular part of your identity or do you feel seen a certain way that's quite singular or what's your experience of that been well firstly growing up in australia um i was <sighs> closer to my dad growing up who's the italian side of my family and that was because i had a weird identity moment where I because of how I feel internally because of all the conditioning of the media you look at and my dad being white and me being so close to him Mm. and then suddenly when I started acting the role descriptions I would go for the accents that the characters would have like them maybe having English as a second language I was like oh this is how the world sees me oh wow it was it was like oh my god I really I really appear to the world as like completely Asian. Like they don't see complexity of every person of color's individual story, like where they were grew up, what ex, what specific uh, culture they were exposed to growing up, like what their exact mix is with their parents. Blah, right. blah, blah blah. It was just like completely categorized as whatever it was. And um, I had that conversation with my dad early on when I um, was going to auditions and back then i mean it's only you know seven or eight years ago but right. in terms of hollywood and how far asian representation has come that's truly a very i mean long and i time. don't even know that much because it's not something i've been that keyed it's into like but eons. just learning yeah, yeah it's a long time um and so back then i was going out for roles that had very traditional you know chinese or japanese korean names they would have english as a second language and i was in the car with my dad like i was like isn't it weird that I would have to do an accent. And I was talking to my white father about this. And he's like, he's like, yeah, that's, that's fucking strange. Like, I don't know. You just look Australian to me. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Why would they look at you and think you can't? Cause he just looks at me as his, as his daughter. Absolutely. And I'm like, dad, I think this is how the world sees me. Okay. So just to <laughs> summarize that, basically because of the perception of how you look to people, yes. it seems when you were going up for roles, especially starting out, it was typically roles that were to an unfortunate Asian stereotype. Yeah, and I think there was just not an abundance or even any really um, roles like the ones you see today where there's great, diverse, um, imaginative roles Mm. for Asians of all, you know, mixes and backgrounds and Asian British population and then like American Asian and Australian Asian like it's just there's so much more of a spectrum now um but back then it was like if there was an Asian character they were from Asia got it or oftentimes more so than they are today I think um and was that more in Australia or was that more in America? No, I think those I auditions? was auditioning for uh, roles all over the place. Okay. So it was more of a global thing, but between the two, most likely. Yeah. And then okay. of course I was auditioning for a lot of roles that were not race specific 
and that was that was fine too but that was just the experience I had with um when I started acting and I started auditioning Mm -hmm. um really becoming more aware of how the world viewed me and it's not that I don't want to be seen as like you know completely Asian or whatever it is but because I was so set in my identity is like, you know, I'm mixed race. My house is full of Italians. Mm. I go to school every day and I'm Australian. Mm. It was bizarre to be almost, it's so reductive. Oh yeah. The way that it's viewed as well. Like I was growing up, um, which is very common with children of immigrants, but I was very much more uh, identifying with my white side because I was trying to, fit into the country that I was growing up in where my (laughs) Asian side was invisible in being represented in any sort of way, politics, media, you name it. So um, obviously like growing up, I gravitated towards my dad culturally because it was correct Mm. in terms of what the world around me was building me to see. Mm. And my mom was this strange you know, woman with cultures I didn't understand and her English wasn't as good and all these things that have completely changed now. And right. And um, as I'm so proud of that side of myself and I've learned to speak Mandarin Amazing. and I have worked in China and I've spent a lot of time in China. and I've... Superstar. No. Yes. Superstar. No, no, no. Beautiful, talented no. superstar. No. <laughs> Does that make you uncomfortable? <laughs> Um, it's just funny. I had like a chapter of my life, uh, working in China. Right. And it's, it, I still kind of can't believe it. But yeah, I think now I, um, if anything, that's why I identify more as Asian Australian now. Mm. Because I've fully taken ownership and pride of that side of myself. I can definitely relate to feeling torn between cultures or identities Mm. or gravitating more to one than the other Uh, and before I say how I relate I'll say I think that's why it's so important to have conversations like this about entertainment and the entertainment industries because not a lot of people might realize it if you don't share this kind of diverse identity but the way that people that humans are portrayed Mm. in media in tv in film it does have such a huge impact not just on us personally but on society for how they deem value in and treat people in the real world and for me growing up it was the same my dad's white my mom's black Mm. and i definitely grew up uh in the uk in a very uh, mixed group of people, especially the school I went to is very multicultural. But because it was so multicultural, I didn't feel different because a lot of people were different enough. And in my mind, I equated feeling different to being black because that's how it was always illustrated to me. And because my friends are a whole mix of different things. And yes, of course, there's whiteness everywhere. And so because it's mainly the culture I grew up in, And even though the people might be of different ethnicities and races, the system we're operating in is still a white system. Mm. So I would gravitate towards that too, the Mm. the whiteness of my identity, because it's what felt the most comfortable and what seemed to click in the easiest to all of the environments I was navigating. And I remember once having a a conversation, I don't, that's probably a generous word, a a talk with my mom (laughs) when I mentioned that. Yeah. And understandably, you know, it was very difficult for her to have her 
mixed son who the world will see as black, just like you're saying, in a way the world will see you as Asian mm. and not really take into account that there might be a more a more multi-layered identity beneath that. Uh, and it was painful for her because I think she saw and heard her black perceived and black mixed son choosing to identify as white. Yes. And it was never to push away my black heritage, but it's not what I felt connected to. And in terms of entertainment, watching TV, mm. all the portrayals that I saw of someone who is black or someone having blackness just felt so different from my reality and my yeah. likes and all of this stuff. So it didn't, I, I wasn't really having any of these signals that helped push me towards feeling comfortable in that mm. aspect of my identity. Then you put on top of that being queer in the black community, especially then and continuing now, that's a whole other thing too that kind of pushed me away from it and made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So anyway, that's yeah. my version of saying like, I understand exactly what you mean and why it's so valid. And again, why it's so important that we have an opportunity to be seen in the industry that we're a part of and contributing to. And it's also like, I don't know, I just have so much empathy for my mom now. Yeah. Like thinking back on like, and all, all parents of color that have had to go through this where... um you just wonder if your child will ever understand the real you versus this version of yourself that's in this country speaking maybe a second language that you can't quite communicate as well in. Mm. And the culture just, I don't know, like I feel like, yeah, my mom was just small to me in my in my eyes when I was younger. She just couldn't, I felt like, this need to protect her but i was also embarrassed by her mm. because of you know her level of english or how she behaved or the weird things she did that i thought were weird when really they were just chinese culture yeah um because i was so conditioned to try to fit in and then i had like my white parent there that was doing everything that australian culture told me was not embarrassing and right. normal and whatever so i'm just glad that i am no longer <laughs> I mean, me like too. Yeah. yeah. You know, so often there's there's been this history, whenever a, an identity is different, mm. when it begins to have some attention put on it, it's normally as the butt of the joke to lift up other typically white and straight and cis protagonists. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that's definitely true for a lot of Asian characters. It's true for queer characters. It's true for trans characters, you know. We spent so much time making jokes of people mm -hmm. and making jokes of their accents. Yeah. Or, do you know what? If you can speak one language, one that's incredible. If you can speak another one, even slightly, how are people who barely have a grasp of their own one language yeah. trying to take the piss out of people who are making an effort to expand their worlds and lives and their communication skills. I, it's just so backward. Yeah. It's so silly. Yeah. I only fully felt that when I learned to speak Mandarin mm. and people were impatient with me or people were um, amused by me trying to speak Mandarin and I was really frustrated. And that's like my mom's whole life. <laughs> amused as in like laughing at it? Yeah. Making a joke of it? Um, yeah, just amused at me like saying the wrong word or pronouncing something wrong mm. when I'm really trying. Um, it just completely changed my perspective of my parents where, you know, my dad hasn't learned any Mandarin and my mom communicates to all of us in English every day mm. or has always until now when I just speak Mandarin to her. But um, yeah, <laughs> she, so cool. yeah, she's like, I had to 
deal with that her whole life. So tell me, what was it like when you were working in China and you had that whole period? Mm. Um, is is that what learning to speak Mandarin was connected to? The chapter of my life that I spent working in China was brief. Um, I think mostly because my Mandarin was not good enough and I felt like I didn't have um, enough control over my person and my career and just the, my messaging because mm. you can't really speak for yourself. But I'm not going to pretend that one day I was just motivated enough and I was like, that's it. It's time to learn Mandarin at the ripe age of 20 years old. <laughs> um I learned the catalyst for me learning Mandarin properly learning. I, I have had bits of it since I was a kid. Right. Very, very small amount. The pressure of um, public humiliation uh-huh. and humiliation on the film set was finally the motivation that clicked for me to learn Mandarin uh, to a degree that was not embarrassing. And let me tell you, it took a Skype tutor. It took... Um, talking to my mom almost every day in a format that was like a lesson. Like we'd go to a cafe every day and do it for two or three hours. Oh, wow. And I have to say that entire chapter, the most valuable thing I got from my stint in Asia was coming away with Mandarin. Um, My relationship with my mom completely transformed. I can't quite explain what happened but it's like i re-met my mom and could finally see her personality truly she just just even in like the little tones and intonations and the way you can express yourself like like just all these ways that your vocal cords can form <laughs> words like just your entire being like i change when i speak mandarin um, my mannerisms change because there's thousands of years of history in that language and they're tied up in like the way you not just say the words, but the way you pronounce them and the way your body behaves and how your breath comes out. And and I got my relationship with my mom just did a complete 180 and I got to she's so attentive when I speak Mandarin. She's much more animated. It's easy for her. I'm the one that has to work harder for once. (laughs) Um, And I just shudder to think that if not for that beautiful pressure put on me for a completely random professional reason Mm. that I got this personal gift out of it. Like I, I would be so afraid to think of what my life would be like had that not happened right. and i think about all my friends who don't speak the language of their parents and the fact that they've probably never met their parents in that way and now i would think if i couldn't speak any, any mandarin like that's such a diminished version of myself yeah so that's like in some ways the biggest personal gift that my professional career has given me was the pressure to learn this language that had always evaded me Mostly because I rejected it growing up. From wanting to fit in. Yeah. And then from that, I feel so much more authentic in identifying as Asian. Perfect segue. (laughs) Congratulations. Thanks. Officially part of the Star Wars universe. Indeed. In Ahsoka. Sabine. Sabine Wren. Correct. That's amazing. I know. I mean, we've already talked about this, but officially on this, that's amazing. How do you feel 
Is that too big a question to ask you about it? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty thrilled. Is it the best job I've ever done? Yeah. Is it the most fulfilled at work I've ever felt? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good to know because, look, we know it's not going to be a surprise to at least some people that there's a lot of eyes on Star Wars. It's huge. There's so much more content coming out about the world now. It's amazing, especially for fans. But what we also see has been pretty consistent, unfortunately, uh, is amongst some fans is a certain attitude. Like in most genre, we've also talked about similar things with other guests on the podcast where some fans can be and act in a racist way or misogynistic way. And uh, we've seen, especially when, you know, actors, characters of Asian descent or description or identity have been targeted by that. And sometimes to crippling effect, which is horrible. And you are now a part of this amazing new world. And of course, you only want the best from it and for it. And that's all that I and most people will be hoping for. But have you thought about the reality of what you might be facing on the other side of that as you're doing this I job? I have. Um, I haven't thought about it much more than I usually would think about it. Which is how much? Not that much because I am determined to live my life and find my joy regardless of all of this or of all of the, the maybe feedback or mm-hmm. whatever s- strange messages I may receive from people that need therapy. But <laughs> Truly, that's a very productive, nice way of putting it. Yeah, I have had uh, such a positive experience thus far. Um, for so many reasons that I probably would take up this entire time on this episode talking about. You mean specifically in the Star Wars world? So yeah. Far. That's yeah. amazing. It's brilliant. Um, there, we have such a diverse crew. I see myself reflected in the people behind the camera. You do? Yeah. We have so much diversity um, in our crew and the producers have made a true effort to have that be the case, knowing that this show is being led by Rosario Dawson and mm-hmm. oh, myself queen. and a few others who are people of color. Right. Um, that was really important. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Cause that's also not normal. I will yeah. point out. Yeah. Normally in my experience, normally yeah. crews are while wonderful and talented, nothing yeah. to do with that. And very hardworking people who don't get enough of the credit that they deserve, but often in terms of the identity makeup. Yep. It's pretty singular most of the time. Yeah. And that does... Well, why, why is that important to you that you have that experience? Can you, can you explain like in your understanding of it in your own words why that makes a difference? Even our beautiful, <laughs> badass, real-life Jedi uh, stunt coordinator Ming um, is Chinese mm. and we get to study these forms of martial arts and these forms of sword play or whatever it is, um, it, from the very best. And then I get to portray that on screen as someone who is of mixed Chinese descent. And I get to learn these beautiful old art forms and then portray them in this like very, um, fantastical new world. Yeah. But the root is still there. Right. There's just so many people behind the scenes where I can look behind the camera and see representation of the people, not only in front of the camera, but the people directing and the people 
who are making those decisions. Mm. And I mean, it just means the world, honestly. Yeah, because no one is like you, we're all unique, but to be able to look and see that people who are in control of taking care of your image, your Correct. character, your story, yes, not only are talented enough to be there doing it, but they also have enough, likely yeah. have enough of a perspective of being different, being perceived by the world and treated by the world in a certain way that they can have a sensitivity to what you may be thinking, experiencing, mm. feeling, all without needing to have a conversation. And yet are probably the most likely people to want to have a conversation with you about that and actually know to ask you, hey, how do you feel about this particular thing that yeah. could be like a racial sensitivity or an identity sensitivity? Exactly. And surely I would imagine that only allows you to feel even more comfortable at work, which is going to mean that you get the best output in terms of acting for what you want to contribute to the project. Completely. It feels like a big family where everyone is heard um, in whichever way they need to be by everyone. And there's a, there's people that can not only hear you, but truly understand you. Mm. And I'm very excited. Have you ever had any experience like that in your career where you feel like something's made you very aware of your identity in a, more of a negative way or you just haven't felt that comfortable? There's definitely a wash and also an awareness of as anyone of color knows it's like anytime anything remotely negative happens to you you question if it's <laughs> right is this because i'm asian <laughs> <laughs> um i would say though i have been really fortunate um and a, not a lot of incidents like that come to mind for me it's been more like logistically trying to navigate my career um i've had white friends say like oh it's always about race with you isn't it when I'm talking about auditions or jobs I didn't get or jobs I did get. And I'm like, yeah, it, it kind of is. Yeah. And not because you decided it. Yeah. And I definitely well. don't choose for it to be that way. But since I've started my career, I started doing a film that was you know, very traditionally Chinese and I am a mixed race person. So that was already a certain lane that I had gone down. And then I went in a completely different direction and played an Australian backpacker in a film called Hotel Mumbai. Mm. And then since then, I I have been making choices along the way, but having to carefully consider each project based on the source material. Um, is it appropriate to play that character? Do I have the right to play this character? Is it based on a real person? No questions that many white actors have to ask absolutely so yeah i mean i get annoyed too where when people ask me general questions about work and jobs and things i got or didn't get or what i'm considering and i have to always talk about race mm. but that's kind of just how it is yeah i mean i've lost so many i've lost so many jobs because i wasn't japanese or i wasn't korean or i wasn't like fully asian and it's a very delicate topic and a very um cautious kind of movement that's happening because it's gone from one end of the pendulum where there were no roles for right. asian folk and now it's gone to the other end where asian folk can only play the race that they exactly are right otherwise it's considered insensitive but why is that same pressure not put on for example european oh, descent 100%. like if you're french you can only play french if you're german you can only play german like imagine that uh, yeah that I, would be i'm so, sure most people especially who are that can't imagine that it would be so limiting you have free reign of almost anything and i know it comes from the best intentions because people want to be sensitive they yeah. want to 
um, give ownership of this story and this culture to actors that are also of that culture or that heritage. But it's also, I think, holding back a lot of opportunities for Asian actors. Mm. And I think that it's a case by case. I keep saying this. Case by case basis. It's a case by case basis. You firstly should look at whether it's source material is based on a real person. Mm. How important is me being Korean or Japanese or Chinese to the story? Mm. Is it just a fiction where they can easily change the heritage of the character? Right. Yes, it's a case by case basis, but also... I don't know how you feel, but to me, it seems like still the gatekeepers of diverse opportunity are the people who don't actually relate to those identities. Mm. And that's where I feel uncomfortable again, because mm. it's like, yes, I appreciate wanting to be specific. That's fantastic. I advocate mm. for that. Make sure that there's space for people to tell their own authentic stories. But at the same time, I don't know about, you know, Uh, a room full of people who aren't mixed telling me what mixed identity is like or a room full of people who are white telling me that I'm not black enough or I don't fit their idea of what blackness is to be appropriate for a role. doesn't mean I have to get the role, but for that reason, when it, in my experience, it tends to be people who don't actually live that identity or share that perspective are the quality controllers of what passes as it. It's strange. Yeah. I have had the experience of a board, a panel, whatever you want to call it, mm. of um, a group of higher up um, white individuals telling me that I'm not Chinese enough for a role. And <sighs> it's just never going to feel <laughs> no appropriate. <laughs> no, it's not because it's not. <laughs> uh, for that to happen. And um, I do, I'm very aware of what privileges I am offered in being mixed race and right. I tried not to trot along the opportunities that should be passed along to someone who is either like you know fully that culture or right um a different specific uh culture for the role but I completely agree with you the gatekeeping of it all mm. does feel very bizarre that's why I mean in answer to your question before when you say what experiences have been um, an issue with regard to race. It's not so much specific experiences. It's been the overall navigation mm. of when I do get scripts, always having to consider that first before I even think about whether I'm the best for the role. Yeah, I get it. Um, and that can get really exhausting. It's a specific diverse only layer where it's like, well, not only are you the most excluded, but you're also expected to be the most sensitive. Yes. And kind of like exclude yourself from things. Ironically, that's why part of the project that I'm doing now, why it's a relief is that there's nothing to do with race in a way. Oh, that's the other it's thing, just right? all like we're all from different places yes. and creeds and planets oh, and utopia. aliens. I'm like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That is That was one of my things, especially being from the UK and coming out to the US and working here is... I don't have an issue with this at all. It's amazing. So many of the opportunities to start with that I was going up for are stories about race. There's not really that many stories about being white. You just get to be a human, having a human experience of love or loss or something, you know, some actual human experience that isn't just centered in pain and trauma that you didn't decide for yourself. And so it made it hard because, you know, there are all these amazing roles, amazing projects 
um, but it's not appropriate. Oh my God, I don't know if this will mean anything to you. I don't know if you're familiar with Roots. For whoever will get this, I was asked to audition to be um, Kunta Kinte, which is so inappropriate because it's this African, black, dark-skinned, because mm. there's themes of colorism in the show too. There's okay. a character, Chicken George, who's light-skinned, and so and he gets treated differently. And I'm like, the fact that people are making this enough to even invite me into audition for this role shows they don't get the very point of why this project should be being made in the first place. And that's a role I can't do. Yeah. So yes, there are limited roles already because I'm not white, but also there's limited roles within the black roles yes. because some things aren't politically, racially appropriate or sensitive for me to even be considered for. So I found, I mean, where I settled with it was the best roles for me to pursue are the white ones or the non-racially descript ones, <laughs> Just which the is ambiguous. code for white. Exactly. Oh my God. The ambiguous. My entire career has been, let's stick to the ambiguous <laughs> stepping stones. <laughs> This podcast is a very rare thing for me because I haven't talked about race in quite a while um, because I guess I made a decision somewhere along the way that I would simply book the thing and get my face into the thing and that would be my protest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That will be my presence. Right. Uh, whether you like it or not. And that says it all. But I think that it is helpful any conversation is helpful. Someone hears something and feels seen or heard or any relation to it in a helpful way is always every little piece yeah. of the puzzle. It's interesting, like if we did this interview in a different year mm. or a different time in life, I might have a very different attitude mm. right now in this moment. Um, I don't have as much uh, anger as I used to. Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean things are better. I mean, there Ang are attacks. Anger from what? Um, just about racism in general. Got it. And Your experiences of it or it existing? Um, both. Okay. Both. You know, I've obviously had my own experiences growing up. The good old go back to where you came from. Classic. Heard that quite a few times in Australia had the whole peace signs at house parties from private school kids saying ni hao a few times. That was great too. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's nothing out of any Asian Australian would have a similar right. experience. Um, you're just invisible. I mean, that's how it felt growing up in Australia as, as an Asian Australian. We're just completely invisible and um, in terms of representation. And then we're just seen as like, there's a there's a culture around um, keeping Australia white and you know go back to where you came from kind of I think it's it's getting better now but um, essentially I used to feel far more angry and maybe there'll be periods in the future where it hits me again you know in West Hollywood um, a few months ago uh, I said something and someone said wow I've never heard an Asian talk like that no. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. A few months ago. Yeah. Someone you knew? No. 
complete stranger. Some complete stranger who felt yeah. comfortable enough to say that. I'm not someone who gets angry easily. But when you're dehumanized mm-hmm. and you're made to feel inferior, mm-hmm. there's something that activates in you that's very hard to explain unless you just know how it feels. And in that moment, sure, I knew that guy was drunk. I knew that I should just sit there and blow it off. But I was livid. Yeah. Because, again, you're dehumanized. Mm. And that is such a specific internal heat that just hits you, whether you're usually someone who rises in anger or not. It's just... Anyway, long story short... I feel at this stage in my life, I am not as um, weighed down on a day-to-day basis um, at the many injustices of the world because yeah. I'm trying to use it as a fuel instead because otherwise it is a weight. And I feel really positive about the progress that this industry is making. I can't speak for the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but here on the open up, violence just against the Asian community is still rife yeah. and absolutely just unspeakable. But I am trying to, in my lane, see the things to hold on to for hope and progress. At the end of the day, it's about people seeing people of color from many different specific cultural lanes getting to be represented in different ways like my nephews are going to watch so many more people on screen that they can relate to Mm. or look like them than i did yeah and that already just makes me so glad yeah it's just so i can't believe at least how much progress has been made in that realm I know there's still so much more to be made behind the scenes, as we say, with mm. like creating these safe environments. There's a little tick there yeah. that did, never used to exist. So it's why I never considered being an actor. Oh, wow. Why would I? <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> wow. When you grow up and there's not one person that looks like you in that field, you're like, well, that's just not the field for me. Yeah. Every time I'm back in Australia in my childhood bedroom... I just look at the rest of my life as it's played out. Like she would never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to acknowledge it. I'm just going to keep going with it. Yeah, it's truly. Gonna, it's, it's really insane. It's crazy. It's just, um, I just keep plugging away. We all do, I think, because we're on a path right now that maybe we could imagine, but didn't really think could ha- I didn't think it could happen just because I didn't see an example of it right. of the career I wanted even just in Australia I mean I keep talking about Australia because it's some such a big part of my life obviously but it it does feel like there have been so many positive changes um to the point where I would be excited to look at projects there which is something I never thought I would say I was kind of burned by it to the point where I was like well I'm just gonna head to America where I have a chance my first my very first well I don't know if it was my very first but in the early early days of uh press I think yeah it was it was for Crouching Tiger um the Australian media was sort of coming to hear about me and they didn't they almost didn't know how to talk about me and we have this newspaper in Sydney 
called the Daily Telegraph. And the very first article that they ever released about me was called Chinese Takeaway. Yeah. Elliot's hand is over his Sorry. face right Sorry, all speech was gone. What? Yeah. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, we call to-go, like, right. you know, to-go food, takeaway. Take yeah. Away. As in, you're the Chinese takeaway? Yup. Oh, I feel sick. Yeah. And that's probably someone who's continuing to work. And you know what the worst part is? Oh, I think the person who wrote that article thought that they genuinely weren't being offensive because they, they went on to write an article that was actually quite um, complimentary. Oh, my. Right. I'm so glad you said that. And my publicist at the time, I was livid, obviously. Yeah. I was like, sorry, is this a real thing that's been published in an actual newspaper, this is humiliating. Um, she was also annoyed, but was also like, yeah, but, you know, I think it's just a pun that they... Uh, it was because I had done a Chinese... A film that was Chinese in, in its story. Care. Yeah, that sure. Was, uh, this is the thing, not, not, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but I think it's really worth saying. The people who gaslighting, <laughs> gaslighting, a hundred percent. The people who believe that they're supporting you and helping you, and that is the energy in their heart. It shows the lack of awareness and mindfulness when they put just as much effort into justifying things. Maybe it's to make you feel more comfortable and do that. But personally, I don't care for that shit. I've had my thing of being like, well. You know, well, you know, you're so talented and you'll be so great. Just like, you know, if people think that you're gay, then they might say something. So just don't say anything. I'm like, who are you helping right now? Because I know you think you're helping me, but think about the actual impact of what you're saying. What you are actually being and becoming is the voice that silences queer people from being themselves in this Absolutely. industry. You think you're helping defend my best interests, but my best interests are not to closet myself so that I can hope I might get some work and be closeted that whole time and then miserable and depressed. That's not helpful. No. If you are responsible, this is just my personal word, if you're responsible for clients, any artist, talent, if you're not endorsing them as their full authentic selves in everything that they do, you're doing them a disservice and yourself a disservice. And I have patience for people to understand. I'm not trying to cancel you at all. But we have to be energized about underlining an understanding of like what's actually the right way to behave. What's the respectful way to behave. And even now I feel in myself this need to say like, you know, um, I've had 95% of my experiences with Australian media have been positive. Mm. And since then they have been, cause mm. I don't want to ca cause a stir and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to cause trouble. Cause that's such a, that's honestly such an Asian part of me, I think as well, but that happened. And then there was, you know, there was a few other experiences, one of which was where I was um, again, talking about the experiences I had had mm. in Australia. And they were like, I don't know if you should be, I don't know if you should be mentioning that. I mean, you know, we're all here supporting you. Oh um, you're doing really well. You've been given this amazing opportunity. Do you really want to talk about these negative experiences you've had growing up in Australia? And I'm like, they've all created me as the person I am sitting in front of you today yeah. in good ways and not so good ways, I'm yeah. sure. But the strength that you see in front of you mm -hmm. is a direct result of my entire life 
all of which is valid. Yes. All of which is relevant. Exactly. Um, and you don't get to pick out the bits that yeah. you want to make you or this thing look good in a particular moment. And it's not even, I mean, that you're made to feel like you're being ungrateful. Yeah. And that you should just be grateful to even have an opportunity, period. And it's like, those things can coexist. Yes, I am grateful. Mm-hmm. I also got told to go back to my own country a lot when I was younger. And those two things exist at the same time. They're both true. If I earn my way to be here from my talent or my ability or the same way that everybody else did, I want to have the same experience. Yeah. And that's on you to figure that out, not me. Yeah. Because I did my work just to get to this point. And I mm-hmm. guarantee you on a base level, I have to go through more shit than you, non-diverse person. Not your fault, but don't erase the truth of my experience so that yours can feel more comfortable. It's comfortable enough. Yeah. And, and you were saying before about growing community um, I've had a, I mean, a lot of people have, but I've had a really hard time figuring out what my community is mm. for the most part, because it's probably already obvious, but Australia as a community is one thing that I've both felt I've had a foot in and a foot out of mm. Then being Chinese. I'm seen as a foreigner being American. I'm seen as Australian. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. where do I go? <laughs> so at this point I, uh, I really just feel community with anyone that I have an authentic connection to and wants to be seen and heard and see and hear me. Yes. And that has been really a relief because there was even a period where I was trying really hard to acknowledge my privilege in this industry and being mixed race in the times that, and it's also been a hindrance a lot of the time too, but anyway. both, Like you said, more than Mm -hmm. one thing can be true. There was a really big role that I was up for mm. that it was important for the source material that it was a person who was full Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the time where it was rumored that I was up for the role, um, I did a silly thing and went online and looked at the comments and it was like Oof. white supremacy, like um, taking over. They yeah. can't cast a, a full Asian person. And I, I, I uh, have felt that tension sometimes with the Asian mm. community. Mm. Um, but again, where I'm at now in life is even if I'm getting hate, I don't care. I'm going to support them. I'm going to support everyone in that community, no matter what the response to me is, because what else is there to do except respond to that with love? And be like, you're right. I do have these privileges. These are also the ways I have my own struggles as a mixed person. I'm sorry that society Mm. has put you in the position where you have to see me as anything but another thing that wants to support you. So, yeah, community. That anyone who listens to this podcast is already a piece of that because they're willing to listen and if you're hearing this right now it means you've reached almost the very end and you've listened to all of this unless you've skipped for some random reason you missed great stuff go back begin again but it's it's community building that's what it is that's what it is what's something that you would advocate for more of or a change what's important to make a difference even more continued and even more interest in a diverse um storytelling and portrayal of people from all walks of life 
instead of just what's algorithmically <laughs> gonna make the most money if there could just be a little more of the curiosity and magic of storytelling from all over authentic transparent sure that too that would be great I feel like there's a very big spectrum of like the huge blockbuster with the algorithm and the stars and then less and less of those maybe smaller projects with really important stories and you have reached the end of another open up episode congratulations did you enjoy it I hope that you did I love everything that Natasha shared. I'm so excited for her in her new job and all the amazing impact and influence that she has the opportunity to now have on a whole new generation of not just kids and young people, but adults and families for how people who identify the way that she does or similar or even are perceived similarly to her get to be heroes. They get to be celebrated. They get to be acknowledged in a positive light. Any and all of the above is such a huge win. And I know how important that is to Natasha. And she's going to do a great job. I'm really excited. And I'm sure that she's glad that you listened to everything that she had to share today. So thank you. I think one theme that's been true in the last couple of episodes, this one included, are the benefits that diverse artists really truly feel when they get to be in a professional work environment where they see themselves around them. To see identities and humans around you that you know without needing to have conversation to inform them, most likely understand through their own lived experience what it's like to be someone in your shoes, what your life is like when you step off of set or out of work, when you're any person walking down the street and how someone decides to speak to you or refer to you or make you feel. It has a huge impact on how we get to feel comfortable in ourselves and respected at work and in our lives. And I think that's a note for all of us to take into account. If you're at work and you're looking around and only seeing people who don't get you, and for anyone to get you, you have to be the one that makes an effort to inform them. I think we can all agree that's probably not the most comfortable or most enjoyable environment for diverse artists. So maybe we can take a leaf out of this book, try and do a bit better. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow Natasha, go and get ahead of the crowd now. She is at Natasha Lubordizzo on Instagram. We are at The Open Up Pod. And we are also on email at hello at theopenuppodcast.com. Thank you, of course, to our diverse family of creative artists who help put the podcast together. Alec Liu creates our artwork. Adsum creates our theme music. Jay Abhol creates our additional music, like the song you're listening to right now. I'm Elliot Knight, your host, mixer, and editor. And of course, thank you, thank you, thank you to the wonderful producer Gemma at Studio Hendrix for helping us put this show on for you every single week. Please get in touch if you enjoyed today's episode, if you have any thoughts or comments or just want to get in touch. And remember that you can help us spread the word about the podcast by opening up about what you heard. And if you want to help keep the show alive, make sure you hit those stars at number five. And if you haven't already, please do not forget to leave a review because we're coming to the end of the season. We have great conversations to share and we would absolutely love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being here for another Open Up. Stay safe. Think about one another. Let's leave room for each other and have great conversations. Be well if you are and get well if you're not. Cannot wait to share another conversation with you next week. And I will see you then for another Open Up.
And that was your first audition for anything as an actor. Yes. <laughs> and you booked it and it was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Delete this from the podcast. No, for it's in actors. forever. Oh yeah, true. That's a little uh, trigger warning. I promise warning. you it's been a struggle since then. <laughs> <laughs> Please, we want it to be hard for you.